You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. We are in our series on the life of Joseph, and uh, it has taken me a long time, and we're not done yet, and we're not going to be done today. But I hope that this series has been a blessing to you. I've preached on the life of Joseph before, but I've never preached on it this extensively. I've never gone through it in depth like we have in this study. And uh, it just seems like the more we get into it, the more I see that I hadn't seen before. And uh, God has certainly helped me uh, in this series. Jeremiah, Jeremiah, that's Wednesday night, Genesis 43 in your Bibles. We started this series on the dreams of Joseph. Remember, Joseph had those dreams that his brothers and his father and his mother would one day bow down and worship him. And of course, you know how that went over. Not very well. The brothers uh, uh, wanted to kill him, but they ended up selling him as a slave. And uh, through God's providence and through God's plan, Joseph ended up in Egypt as a slave. Well, That wasn't the end of the story. It was just beginning because God had made a promise and God had given Joseph a a dream of what was to come. And Joseph was in Potiphar's house and he was promoted in Potiphar's house. And then Potiphar's wife uh, tried to seduce Joseph and tried to uh, uh, allure uh, Joseph and cause him to be immoral. And Joseph said this, he said, how can I do this great wickedness? and sin against God. Joseph said, I'm not going to fall for that. I'm, I'm a loving God. I'm serving God. I'm going to stay true to God. And then he was lied about, and he was thrown into prison because of something he did not do. And it was in prison that he met two men that God needed him to meet, the butler and the baker who had dreams. Joseph interpreted those dreams, and the butler was, uh, was uh, promoted back and restored to his position. The baker was executed, and the butler forgot all about Joseph. Remember that? Two full years, the butler forgot about him. And finally, Pharaoh has two dreams in one night. And Pharaoh has these dreams, and nobody can interpret them. And so the butler, he says, oh, Pharaoh, I'm so sorry, I forgot. Remember when you restored me to my position? Well, there's a guy in the prison. He interpreted my dreams for me. And Pharaoh sends and Joseph comes and he says, hey, I can't interpret it, but God can. And Joseph gives the interpretation to Pharaoh of those two dreams. The interpretation was that there would be seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine. And sure enough, that is what is happening now in our story. Joseph was promoted and uh, Joseph uh, is made second in command in all of Egypt and God has, has, has uh, elevated him and God has uh, raised him to a position. And then we saw last week that the brothers, remember those guys, the guys that wanted to kill him, the guys that sold him as a slave, the brothers come to Egypt looking for food. And lo and behold, they stand before Joseph. Well, he hasn't told them yet who he is, and they don't know who he is, but he knows who they are. And he gives them the food, and he asks about their family, and he asks about about their dad, and he finds out about, he knew about Benjamin, but he asks them, and they say, yeah, we've got a younger brother, Benjamin, and he sends them home, and he says, here's how I'll know that you're telling me the truth and you're not spies. 
When you come back, and they had to come back because there was a famine. When you come back, you bring your brother Benjamin, and then I'll know that you're telling me the truth. So they get back home, the brothers get back home, and Jacob, the daddy, he says, no way in the world I'm sending Benjamin back with you. He said, it's not happening. We get to chapter 43, and this is where we'll pick up today. And in chapter 43, they're, they're, they're back in the land, and the famine, it says in verse 1, the famine was sore in the land. And it came to pass that they had eaten up all the corn which they had brought out of Egypt, and their father said, go again and buy us a little food. And Judah, verse 3, this is important. We're going to talk about Judah today. We'll talk definitely about him next week. But Judah speaks up, and Judah says, Dad, time out. We already told you we cannot go back to Egypt unless we take Benjamin, and you've already told us you're not sending Benjamin. Remember last week when Jacob said, all these things are against me, and I've lost uh, Joseph, and now Simeon was left in prison in Egypt to make sure that they came back with uh, Benjamin. And he said, I'm not going to send Benjamin. Uh, I'm going to go down to my grave in sorrow. And Jacob was so depressed. You remember that? Well, now they're hungry. And now they're starving. And now they've got a choice to make. And Jacob does not want to send uh, Benjamin back with them, but he doesn't have a choice. That's where we're going to pick up this morning. Lord, help us as we look at your word and this story and these truths. May they uh, speak to us and Holy Spirit, give us what we need from this passage today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Number one, as we go through chapter 43 today, I want you to see the famine. It says in verse one, and the famine was sore. That means it was very severe in the land. You know, we are limited in our, in our human abilities and our human resources. We are limited. There are some things that you cannot do, right? Some things I cannot do. Um, there are some things that you cannot buy. There are some things I cannot buy. There are some things that you cannot accomplish, and there's things I cannot accomplish. We are limited. God's people here in Genesis 43, they were limited because of a famine. The circumstances affected everybody in the whole world. But I want to remind us this morning, although we are limited, we have a God who is not limited by our circumstances. And the God that loves you and the God that saved you and the God that created you, he is not limited because of a famine. He is still God. I'm glad that God is the God of the mountaintop, but he's also God in the valley. He's God of the sunshine. He's God of the rain. He's God in the good times. He's God in the bad times. And circumstances do not limit God. As a matter of fact, many times God can use those circumstances to actually accomplish His will. I love that song Brother George sang this morning. He sang it in the early service as well. And I said, make sure you keep that one in the repertoire. That's a good one. I'd never heard it before this morning. But you know what's so good about that is... The fact that you could trust God yesterday and he came through for you means he can do it again today. And if he could do it today, he could do it tomorrow. You say, Pastor, you don't understand. I'm going through a famine. Now, not maybe with food or maybe not with, with, with resources, but Pastor, I'm going through a hard time. I'm going through a difficulty. I'm going through a trial. I'm going through a burden. Okay, we all go through hard times. That, that's, that's part of life. But God is still God in the famine. God is still God no matter what you're going, going through. And God is not worried. 
God is not nervous. You might be nervous. You might be stressed out. But God's got everything under control. And I'm glad that we serve a God who is God all of the time, not just in the good times. The food was gone. Jacob tells his sons, he said, it's time to go back and buy some more food. Judah says, Daddy, no way. We've already told you we cannot go back unless we take Benjamin. Notice in verse number six, I see not only the famine, but number two, I see the friction. Notice Jacob's response. Another name for Jacob is Israel. And it says in verse six, Israel said, wherefore dealt ye so ill with me as to tell the man whether ye had yet a brother. Now, hang on. Jacob and his sons and their families are starving to death right now because of a famine. And you know what Jacob wants to do? He wants to point the finger. He wants to bring up the past. He wants to play the blame game. And he says, you know, boys, if you hadn't opened your big mouth and told that governor in Egypt about your little brother, you wouldn't have to take him. Now, I want to tell you, there's going to be friction in life. True? I mean, that's just part of life. There's going to be some, some, some conflict. There's going to be some problems. There's going to be some difficulties in life regardless. But you don't have to create more. And I don't have to create more. And the family is starving to death. And you know what Jacob wants to do? Well, if you hadn't told him. Well, if you hadn't said this. Well, you started it. Well, you finished it. Friend, I want to tell you, there, there's a whole lot more important things in life than bringing up the past and blaming everybody and getting mad and getting irritated and getting frustrated and pushing everybody's buttons. You know, like, well, you got me, I'm going to get even or I'm going to get ahead. And there is friction. Maybe it was because of the lack of trust already. And by the way, they, they deserved it. These brothers were not honest. Remember when uh, chapter 37, when Jacob sent Joseph to go check on the brothers, that's when all this started. Well, the fact that he had to send Joseph to check on him was probably because he didn't trust him. And the apples did not fall far from the tree because Jacob himself had not been trustworthy and he had deceived his own father-in-law. And so it's all coming around. Isn't that amazing that it all comes out in the wash? And now there's friction and there's issues and there's problems. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 5 in the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers. Now I'll tell you this, as Christians, we would do so well if we would strive this week to make peace instead of trying to create issues. I'm telling you, I, I, I've, I've been there. I've been there where someone's got this huge issue, this huge problem, and they say, I got to tell you all about this problem. I got to tell you about this issue. And, and I'm sitting there and I'm listening and, and I, I'm, I'm focused and I'm engaged and, and, I, and I'm listening and I'm waiting. I mean, I'm just waiting to hear the problem. And they get all done and they're like, can you believe so-and-so did that? And in my mind, I'm thinking, I haven't heard a problem yet but you have made a mountain out of a molehill. You have blown something so far out of proportion and, and, and you have created a mess that didn't have to be that way. And you know, it's amazing. People love to vent, don't they? And I'm telling you, uh, Facebook, what is it they say? Facebook has, uh, has made the, 
the, the blind to see and the dumb to speak, right? Whoo, Lord, help us. People get on Facebook and they just, I just got to vent. I just got to just share a piece of my mind. You don't have enough of your mind to start giving pieces away. Keep what you got. People love to vent, but here's what people don't do. They don't usually follow up with, you know, God answered this prayer. God took care of this situation. You know, God restored my family. We like to vent. We like to be real vocal about the negative. But when it comes to the positive, somehow we're silent. And may God help us not to create more problems and friction. Jacob is still all worked up and bitter and his family is starving to death and he still wants to blame and point the finger about something that cannot be changed. Verse number seven, they told their father, they said he asked us specifically and pointedly and uh, we had to tell him the truth and, and we didn't know this was gonna happen. Verse number eight, again, we see Judah. Now, this is a name to remember because Judah is the one when the brothers wanted to kill Joseph. Judah was the one that said, oh no, I got a better idea. Let's not kill him because then we got to dispose of the body. Now, that's not in the King James Version. That's in the Jeremy Coburnett Version. He didn't say that. But here's what he did say. He said, let's sell him. Let's make a buck. Hey, we're going to get rid of him anyway. We might as well make a profit off of this guy. He's, he's not worth anything to us. Let's just get rid of him. And Judah speaks up in verse number eight, and he says to his dad, he says, send the lad with me. He said, send Benjamin with me. We will arise and go that we may live and not die, both we and thou and also our little ones. And verse nine, he says, I will be surety for him. Of my hand shalt thou require him. If I bring him not unto thee and set him before thee, then let me bear the blame forever. Now, we're starting to see, he's like, oh my, is it, is it possible? Are we starting to see a change in these brothers? No way. People can't change, can they? No, it's impossible. He's always been like so-and-so, or he's always done such and such. Judah says to his dad, he says, dad, I will be responsible for him. Would you please send him so we can go and get some food? We see the famine, number one. Number two, we see the friction. Number three, we see the fear. Uh, Jacob uh, sends a present with, uh, with the boys. He says, take double your money just so that you can re repay what you should have paid the first time and take a gift and take all these things. In verse 14, Jacob says, and God Almighty give you mercy before the man that he may send away your other brothers, Simeon and Benjamin. And if I be bereaved of my children, I'm bereaved. Uh, Jacob said, may God give you mercy. I tell you, that's what every one of us need. I'm thankful for the mercy of God. And Jacob said, God, please give these boys mercy. They get to uh, Egypt. When they get there, Joseph tells his, uh, his manager, his steward, he says, I want you to take him to my house. Now, Joseph wanted to have a meal with them. But the brothers didn't know that. They are panicking. They are stressed out. Notice verse number 18. And the men were afraid because they were brought into Joseph's house. These brothers were terrified. You know why? Their conscience was still eating them up. It's amazing. They don't even know this is Joseph yet. And they still keep bringing up Joseph. 
Oh, God's gonna, God's repaying us because of what we did to Joseph. Oh man, it's coming back to get us. Oh no, we're gonna pay the price. And they're fearful because of their conscience, because of uh, what they had done. Can I tell you this? Joseph was in Egypt. If anybody should have been afraid, it should have been Joseph. But we read about Joseph. He didn't seem to be too worried about things. He was just trusting God. And isn't it wonderful when you're in the center of God's will, when you're in the center of God's will that you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be fearful. You don't have to be stressed. You don't have to panic. You don't have to be worrying about everything. You can just rest in the fact that God is in control. But on the flip side, the brothers, they should have been the ones having a high old time, but they were worried sick. They were fearful. Second Timothy 1, the Bible says, God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. These brothers were back home, but they were living in fear. Joseph was in Egypt having faith. Number four, I see the finances. The brothers immediately told the, the steward of Joseph's house. They said, listen, we brought double money and, 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 and we, we went home and the money was in our sacks and they were all just so worried and so stressed. And the, the, the steward says in verse 23, he said, peace be to you. He said, guys, just relax. Just, just slow down, take it easy. Peace be to you, fear not. Your God and the God of your father hath given you treasure in your sacks. I had your money. And he brought Simeon out unto them. You know, it's amazing. These guys were so worried about finances. Now, I just want to take a, a little time out here and I want to say this about finances. You know, finances, many, many, many people say that finances are the number one cause for trouble in a home. The number one cause for trouble in a marriage is finances. You look at businesses, and I understand you need to pay your bills. We all need to pay our bills, and I think we all need to be wise and be good stewards. I don't think you ought to buy things you can't afford, and I don't think you ought to buy things you don't need. I think you ought to be wise with your finances. But here's the thing. Did you know that money is not the most important thing in life? Did you know if your biggest problem right now in life is money, your problems aren't that big? Because money is temporal. And what you and I live our lives for should not be money, and it should not be riches, and it should not be treasure. With your finances, trust God with your finances. Let God take control and quit being so worried about having more and getting more, and I got to make this, and I got to do this. Just trust God. And the, 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 the heathen man from Egypt, he says, hey, your God, the God of your father, he has given you your money back. Don't worry about it. Isn't that amazing how a sermon was preached to the brothers from a man in Egypt said, hey, it's okay, but their finances. They come in before Joseph, verse 26, and again, they bow down to him. Joseph asks about their father in um, verse number 27, and, and is he in good health? And they said, yes, he's in good health. And again, they bowed down and, 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 and did obeisance to Joseph. Again, those dreams are coming true that God had given Joseph. In verse 29, he, he saw his brother Benjamin his mother's son, and he said, is this your younger brother of whom you spake? And he said, God, be gracious unto thee, my son. And Joseph, the Bible tells us that he, he wept and he went out to, to find a place to cry. He came back in and he said, all right. And he said, let's eat. And he sets the brothers in order by their age, the oldest all the way to the youngest, all 11 of them. These poor brothers, again, if you thought they, weren't, if you thought they were scared before, they're really scared now. How did he know that? 
How did he know who was the oldest and who was in line and all that? And he sets them at the table because he's getting ready to have a feast. Verse 31, and he washed his face and he went out and refrained himself and said, set on bread. Verse number 34, and he took and sent messes. He sent portions unto them from before him. But Benjamin's mess or his portion was five times as much as any of others, any of theirs. And they drank and were merry with him. I see not only the famine and the friction, the fear, the finances, but number five, I see there was a feast. You know, it's amazing. These brothers had just come from famine. They had just come from home where there was no food. They, they came from home where they were starving to death. And here they are in Egypt and they're sitting at the table with the governor and they are feasting and they are having the time of their lives. Now, hang on. Spiritually speaking, you and I can and should have a feast every single day of the week. You don't have to wait till Sunday morning to get spiritually fed. You know why? Because you've got the Bible. You've got the word of God. You've got the bread of life. You've got manna from heaven. But yet Christians, many times Christians are starving to death. Christians are wasting away. And I'll hear people say, yeah, I just, I, 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 I'm starving spiritually. And what I want to say is, why haven't you been to church in the last three months? Now, I don't say that, but I'd like to say it. And I'll say, and, 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 and why, pray tell, what do you have going on on Sunday nights that's so important you can't come to church? And what's going on on Wednesday nights you can't come to a prayer meeting and a Bible study? And why can't you get in the Bible? And why can't you spend time with God? Christians are starving spiritually. And the truth of the matter is, we ought to be feasting. We ought to be rejoicing. It'd be like if, if, I, if I took you, I'm not doing this, so, so if, you're, if you're just waking up, this is an illustration. But if I loaded up uh, all the buses and I said, all right, we're all going to Ralph's Barbecue, all-you-can-eat buffet after church. And we all went in there, and by the time we got there, of course, you know, I'm not going to finish preaching until about 1 or 1.30, and we didn't get over there until about 2. You'd be hungry. And can you imagine walking in that buffet and you, you walk up and you see all the food and you see everybody else eating and we load up the buses and we come back to church and we're in the parking lot saying our goodbyes and say, hey, see you tonight, God bless you. And I said, hey, how you doing? And you said, I'm starving to death. I said, why are you starving to death? We just went to a buffet. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I didn't get anything. You know whose fault that is? That's yours. Because everybody else will be coming back full. Everybody else will be coming back uh, satisfied. But as God's people, so many times we don't get the spiritual nourishment that we need and our, our souls are starving to death because we don't get in the word of God. We don't get in the Bible and let the Bible get in us. They were feasting. But then we get to chapter 44 and we see the failure of the brothers. You say, what's their failure? Their failure is that they said they'd bring Benjamin back safely. But in chapter 44, Joseph sent him on their way. And he told his servants, he said, put the food in their sacks, fill it to the brim. He said, put their money back in the sacks. And then he said, take my silver cup and put it in Benjamin's sack. Now, I will say this. Don't you think this had already happened one time that they got home and their money was, was still in the sacks and they were scared. Don't you think you would have checked your bags before leaving? I mean, you know, even at the airport, they say, is there any, you know, anything in your luggage that, you know, you don't know about? And I'm thinking, well, how would I know to tell you about it if I don't? But you know what I mean. But anyway, but, but they don't even know. And they're on their way home. And Joseph sends the troops. He says, go get them. 
And they overtake the brothers. And they said, all right, one of you guys stole the governor's cup. And here's what the brothers said. Oh, no, we didn't. We promise. As a matter of fact, whoever, whoever's bag you find that cup in, you can kill him and the rest of us will be your slaves forever. Now, that's a very foolish statement to make. It reminds me of, I won't say which one, but it reminds me of one of my girls who loves to make grand and glorious proclamations. I promise, and I'm thinking, I know that's not even true, but she's convinced it's true and she doesn't have any idea at all. But the brothers say, oh, no, we didn't. You can check our stuff. Well, guess what? They did. And they went through everybody's sack and when they got to Benjamin's, Guess what they found in Benjamin's sack? The silver cup. And the brothers, the Bible says they rent their clothes. They were, you thought they were having a bad day before. They are terrified now. Because they've just said, you can kill whoever's got it in their stuff. And, and, Joseph, and then they said, okay, okay. Joseph says, listen, I'm not going to take you guys all as slaves. I'm just taking him. The, 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 the servant said that. We're not taking all of you. We're just taking Benjamin. And the brother said, oh, no, you're not. We're all going back with you. And so they get back, and these brothers, they have failed in their responsibility to take care of their brother. But then we get down to verse number 14. It says in verse chapter 44, and Judah and his brethren, here's Judah again. Judah and his brethren came to Joseph's house, for he was yet there, and again they fell before him on the ground. And Joseph said, what deed is this that ye have done? Watch ye not, or did you not know that such a man as I can certainly divine? Again, he's just messing with them. I'll tell you why in a minute, I think. Verse 16, and Judah said, what shall we say unto my Lord? What shall we speak, or how shall we clear ourselves? God hath found out the iniquity of thy servants. Behold, we are my Lord's servants, both we and he also with whom the cup is found. Now, again, I'm, I'm starting to sense a change in Judah. This doesn't sound like the same guy who was like, hey, let's sell him and make a buck. Let's get rid of this guy. It doesn't sound like the same Judah. Judah speaks up and he says, you know what? You're right. We've sinned. And we don't, I don't know what to say. I, I don't know what to tell you. God has found out our sin. Now, I think, my, my personal thing is, I don't think Joseph, I don't think he knew yet what he wanted. I think part of this plan with Benjamin is I think Joseph was thinking, what if I can get Benjamin here to Egypt and maybe I can protect him because we know those brothers are not nice. <laughs> we know they're not trustworthy. I don't know if Joseph was thinking, maybe I'll get Benjamin here and then maybe I'll get dad here, but I don't want anything to do with these brothers. I, 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 don't, I don't want them near me. I don't want to see them. And maybe this was his plan. I'll get Benjamin here. I'll send those guys home. I won't have to see their ugly faces again. I don't know. But Judah speaks up to Joseph. And in verse number 18, Judah comes near. And he said, oh, my Lord, let, me, let thy servant, I pray thee, speak a word in my Lord's ear. And let not thine anger burn against thy servant, for thou art even as Pharaoh. And for the next 18 verses, for, uh, 16 verses, Judah begins to plead with Joseph. Now, again, he doesn't know who Joseph is yet. But you know what his whole plea was? He says in verse number 
24, he said, It came to pass when we came up unto thy servant, my father, we told him, we told him what you said. And our father said, go again and buy us a little food. And we said, we can't go down if our youngest brother uh, be with us, then we'll go down for we may not see the man's face except our youngest brother be with us and thy servant, my father. Now this is Judah speaking to Joseph. Thy servant, my father said unto us, ye know that my wife bare me two sons. Now hang on. That's Jacob talking about Rachel, his wife, and he's talking about Joseph and Benjamin. I wonder if Joseph, I wonder if he began to tug on his heartstrings a little bit. Oh my, daddy's been talking about me. I've been gone for 20 years and dad still misses me. Dad still loves me. Dad still thinks about me. And Judah goes on, and he says, verse 28, And the one went out from me, and I said, Surely he is torn in pieces. And notice what it says, And I saw him not since. You almost, you almost sense in there like Jacob is still somehow hopeful that he might see his son Joseph again. And I think personally, I think this is the turning point for Joseph. When he hears Judah talking about daddy, and he hears Judah talking about how the, the father, Jacob, is still talking about Joseph and still talking about his son. And it says, I haven't seen him since then, but there's some hope. And I wonder if for Joseph, if he's thinking, oh my, I don't like these brothers. I'd like to strangle these brothers, but for daddy's sake, I can overlook some things. Now, hang on, time out. There may be some people in this room that you're not crazy about. There may be some people in this room who've done you wrong. But I want to ask you this morning, do you think there are some things you could overlook for your father's sake? Because Not because of that person, but because of the fact that your father loves you and your father loves them, and what you might do to hurt your father. Judah takes about 16 verses, and all he does is pleads with Joseph. He says, you don't understand. If we don't take Benjamin back, this is going to kill our father. This is going to crush our father. He will surely die if we get home and Benjamin is not there. I see number six, the failure of the brothers, but number C, number, number seven, I see the father. Judah's whole argument, his whole basis is how will this affect our father? Can I tell you, there are things in life that you and I do that don't just affect one another, but they affect our father. And I wonder if there'd be somebody in this room that would say, you know, I've been having a grudge or I've been bitter or I've been mad or I've been upset or I've been, I've been holding this for so long. And you say, I don't even like that person that did me wrong. You may not like that person, but don't you love your father? Wouldn't you like things to be good with your father? And wouldn't you like your father to be pleased? And wouldn't you like your father to look down and say, like he said about Jesus, this is my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased. Friend, I want to tell you, that ought to be our motivation. Our motivation is not our feelings or what we want or what we think, but our motivation in life ought to be, I want to please my Father. 
I don't want to do anything to hurt my heavenly father. I don't want to do anything to disappoint him. And I think for Joseph, when he heard about dad and Judah said, would you please, for the sake of our father, would you please send Benjamin home? I think that made all the difference. That'll make all the difference in your life too. That'll make all the difference in your life and in your past if you would just say, you know, for the sake of my heavenly father, I'm just going to do what he wants me to do. I'm just going to do what pleases him. That might mean to forgive. That might mean to, to, to forget. That might mean to move on. That might mean to go and to find somebody and to, to give a hug and say, hey, I am sorry for the way I've treated you. Hey, I'm sorry for the way I've talked to you. That may mean that you have to get on the phone today and you have to make some apologies to some people in life that you know things are not right. And you say, but what about what they've done to me? Hang on. What about what the father did for you? What about how the father sent his only begotten son in the world to die for you and for me as unworthy as we are? What made all the difference was the father. We get to chapter 45 and I will not start chapter 45. As a matter of fact, next week, we're not even going to be in chapter 45. Next week, we're going to chapter 38 and we're going to talk about Judah for a while. But notice chapter 45. It is at this moment... It is at this point that Joseph cannot hold back anymore. It is at this point when he hears Judah talking about the father and talking about the heart of the father and talking about the father's love for Joseph and the father's love for Benjamin. It's at that point that Joseph says, I can't hold back anymore. And he calls in his brothers and he says, listen, I am Joseph. I want to tell you, it gets better because not only has God done a work in Joseph and not only has God done a work in Jacob and not only is God doing a work in Judah, but God is getting ready to restore relationships that have been damaged and have been in fragments for 20 years. And aren't you glad that God is still in the business of putting back relationships? Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.